Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning, everybody. This morning we start our Serves Up um, 40 days of focusing on serving. And I don't know that there's a better uh, topic for us to deal with. We always like to do fun stuff during the summer, so we thought, let's do something Hawaiian-themed. So, hey, I'm all in, right? And uh, we're going to look at what it means to serve. Uh, and, And in this generation... To me, it really becomes such a a clarion, clear, countercultural idea that really demonstrates the distinctiveness of faith over the rest of the world. I mean, we live in a world today where people are starving for notoriety. Have you noticed this? Everybody's trying to, to, to find notoriety. Everybody wants to be famous. Nobody wants to be a nobody, so everybody's trying to be a somebody, and the way I guess you can become a somebody is for a lot of people to know your name. And so everybody seems to be about that, and they think the way to to find significance is through fame. And even the non-believers are, are, are starting to take notice of this and realize something's badly wrong. I, I'm no fan of Bill Meyer, but you know he's a rabidly anti-Christian dude, but um, even guys like Bill Meyer see the, the problem. He posted this piece called Equality of Outcomes. And uh, the idea behind it is that uh, not equality of opportunity, but equality of outcomes. And, and what we've come to believe and expect is that regardless of the effort or the talent or anything else that we give to something, that we should receive the same outcome. We should get the same prize whether we won the race or not. Um, and in this piece, he he makes this statement. He says, we used to call it the trophy syndrome. He said the trophy syndrome was, was a world that was created back in the 90s when every kid gets a trophy, no matter how good or bad they are at something. The result of that kind of thinking is that American kids now have a totally diluted and unearned belief in their charm, brains, and talent. It's not only that the entire generation wants to be famous, it's that they think it's not... That, it's, that not being famous isn't fair. I think that's the statement. Not only, do they, not only do they want to be famous, but they think that not being famous isn't fair. Like, I deserve to be famous. He said 72% of Gen Z say they'd like to become an online celebrity. 54% of Gen Z and millennials say that they would become an influencer given the opportunity. I thought that was astounding. 74% of Gen Z want to become an online celebrity, and 54% say, I could do it, I'm just not getting the opportunities. And so everybody's out to try to find a way to get what Andy Warhol called their 15 minutes of fame. I, I read an article a few weeks back, a 28-year-old woman somehow snuck back into high school so that she could gain Instagram followers. She goes back to, uh, look, I went to high school. There's no way I'm going back. I don't care how many followers I could get. Uh, another woman was kicked out of Six Flags because her shorts were too short and she wouldn't change clothes. So she threw a big fit. She got kicked out. She posted the encounter on TikTok. She was instantly Instagram famous. And everybody, you know, applauds that woman for that kind of behavior. Uh, there's, a, there's a person named Charlie DiMelio. Does he, is that how I say it? Anybody help me with that? Does anybody know Charlie DeMelio? 
She's got 35 million followers on TikTok because she danced some dance with some other person and it went viral and now she's got 35 million followers. And one of the trending questions on the internet is how did Charlie D'Amelio get famous on TikTok? Everybody is trying to find significance and worth and value. I guess it's because of the anonymity of the crowd and the world just seems to be so big and complicated that I'm starting to feel less and less significant. I don't know. I don't know what's driving them, but everybody thinks that the answer is to somehow find it by acquiring a group of people who will somehow know their name or applaud their behavior or whatever. And in light of all of that, the Bible gives us this refreshing alternative. And it's, it's really ironic. One of the ways that everyone wants to stand out is by doing the same thing. If we all just do the same thing, then I'm going to somehow be uh, more significant and obvious. Well, let me give you a refreshing alternative. Rather than doing what everybody else does, you really want to stand out, then do what nobody else is doing and serve someone. I mean, everybody's trying to be unique by doing what everyone else is doing. But here's the paradox. When you give up on what you think you need and do what Christ wants you to do, you find what you've always longed for. And this is a repeated theme in the New Testament. Track with me on these verses. Look at Luke 9.24. For whoever wishes to save his life, look at the paradox of this. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he's the one who will save it. Here's another paradox, Luke 9, 48. And, and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. Matthew 20, 16. So the last will be first and the first last. Matthew 23, 11, But the greatest among you shall be your servant. I mean, man, that just cuts against our nature, doesn't it? Everything within my nature says that I have to look out for number one. I've got to somehow uh, uh, elevate myself so that other people will affirm me, my performance, my appearance, whatever. And I've got to somehow draw that attention onto myself. And, and this really cuts against all that. It slices at our background and training and stabs at our culture. It punctures everything we know intuitively and have been taught collectively because we know that the greatest are those who are being served, right? And so if we want to stand out, we have to be great, which means we have to be served. Or if you want to translate that into TikTok language, that means I've got to somehow become famous. I've got to be known, but Jesus said the exact opposite. He said, my kingdom doesn't work like that. My kingdom is not of this earth. My kingdom doesn't follow the same precepts and principles. Uh, the greatest are the servants. Matthew chapter, I mean, Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Get your Bibles out, turn your devices on. Let's look at Mark 10, 42. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world, and notice in this world, that's, that's juxtaposing the idea of His kingdom against the world's kingdom. There's, a, there's a, a clear, distinctive dichotomy. Here's how the world works. We know how the world works. Here's how my kingdom works. In the world, they lord it over their people, and officials, look at this, flaunt their authority. <laughs> 
<laughs> they flaunt their authority. Isn't that true of our leaders? Over those under them. He says, but, but, feel that clear uh, distinction, that, that transition, but among you, in other words, in this kingdom, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, now look at this, even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, even Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, and here's the key, to give His life as a ransom for many. And so here's the crazy irony. In a world craving celebrity, the, the sight of an intentional sacrificial servant is like a beacon of light in a dense fog. And so this morning we start this series, Serves Up. And I love the play on words. Serves up. You know, it's a play on surfs up. And that's what the surfers I, I hear say when the big waves come in, when the opportunity is right. Surfs up. Get your board. Everybody, let's get in the water. Well, I don't know of a better time for us as a people of God to demonstrate the, the distinctiveness of Christ than right now the opportunity is before us. Serves up. Let's get ready. Let's do it. But also serves up means let's elevate service. Let's lift it up. Let's put serve, serving above all these other things that we do. Because one of the things that we tend to do, even in churches, we bring the, the natural uh, uh, cultural ideas into this worship center. And we begin to think that it's all about me like it is everywhere else. And like Madison Avenue tells us that it's really all about me and that I'm here to be served. And so what we want to do is flip the script on that and get the emphasis back where it ought to be, that we've got to elevate service. So let's, let's lift it up. It serves up. And then that third thing is serves up. Isn't that what you do when you serve? You serve it up. And so we want to serve it up. We want to elevate service and we want to serve it up. And so that's what we're going to be studying for the next five, six weeks. And every week, Wendy and her team are going to have different facets of service that are available through the ministries of our church and the community. On July the 4th, we're going to emphasize stand for the voiceless. And there will be booths all outside in the main and the commons of those different groups that are ministering to the voiceless, uh, uh, to the, uh, uh, the Pregnancy Crisis Center, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, fostering and adoption and those kinds of things and, and dealing with uh, the people who uh, haven't had a voice. And then the second week, July the 11th, is local missions and those areas of opportunities of service within our community, Ray of Hope, Ray of Sunshine, Food Bank, all those folks, um, and they're going to be here. And, and you'll see the opportunities that you have to engage in that level of service. And then church ministries, um, and we, used, we did this years ago. We did a, a ministry fair at the church and we had all the different ministries of the church sort of set up booths collectively so that you could see, you know, and, and we've got these uh, planters out here in the commons and in the main. And you can see these uh, posters on these planters which give information related to these topics we're talking about. But one of them tells you how many people it takes just to run North Monroe on a given Sunday. How many volunteers it takes. And I think the number is like, 470? 470 people just to staff nursery, college, students, you know, hospitality, all the different teachers and everything that goes into that. 
So we're going to have a ministry fair on July the 25th, and then on August the 1st is that big food distribution project, and we're hoping to uh, pass out food boxes to at least a 1,000 people. And that's why we need you to get those boxes. But let's start today by talking about service. And let's start with that big question, why serve? Why serve? Because let's face it, you and I expect to be served. And we complain when the service isn't good, don't we? I mean, you go through the drive-thru at the whatever restaurant, and it's a beatdown, and you finally get whatever it is that you were after, and you get about a mile away from the restaurant, and you look in, and you're missing something. You're missing french fries, you're missing chicken, you're missing something. They never get it completely right. And it's like you become so frustrated because it's so hard to get good service. I've got a friend over in Texas. He needed his driver's license renewed. December 2020. He calls up and says, I need to get my driver's license renewed. They said, oh, with COVID and everything. Now, this is 2020, December 2020. COVID was 2019, remember? This is the end of 2020. Now, COVID was 2020, but uh, it was the end of 2020, right? I forget when COVID was. It's been with us always. At any rate, it was the end of the year. Everybody else is kind of trying to get life back to normal, not the DMV, not the DMV in Texas. I'm sure our DMV is different, but not the DMV in Texas. They said, we can give you an appointment. He said, great, when? They said, March. He's like, wait, it's December. She's like, yeah, that's the first we can get you in. You can't get me in till March? Are you serious? They said, well, you can try to come and work your way in. So after about three or four weeks of waiting, he decides, I'm going to get a ticket, so I've got to go up there. So he goes up there at 6.30 in the morning, and he stands to try to get a work in, and it's pouring down rain, and it's freezing cold, and all the people, even the people with appointments, are out in the rain waiting because they won't let anybody in any part of that building. Um, he said, there's like two people working. <laughs> I said, what'd you do? He said, I stood there all morning and then left. And he made this statement, and I thought it was funny. He said, the problem with public servants is they aren't. (laughs) We expect to be served. Let's turn that around. Rather than expecting to be served, we started expecting to serve. What would happen? What difference would it make? You say, well, what's going to compel me to do that? What's going to get me serving? Because you talk about serving, it's like, who me a servant? You've got to be kidding. Well, here's our motivation. We serve because Jesus. Here it is. Serving is a Jesus thing. I mean, isn't that what he did? The Son of Man didn't come to be served. Isn't that what we read? But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So here's our beginning motivation. Serving is a Jesus thing. And so when I serve, I say I'm grateful. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. Can I change that slightly and not be a heretic? Could I say, we serve because He first served us? We serve because Jesus served us. Serving is reciprocal because it expresses my gratitude. Do you remember the story of the unforgiving servant? Maybe you do. Jesus tells the story of this unforgiving servant. And basically the story went like this. This servant owed this king like an insurmountable amount of money, more money than he would ever be able to pay back, more money than he would ever see in his lifetime. 
And so he goes to the king and he basically throws himself on the king's mercy. And the king says, I forgive your debt. And this servant after that goes out and he starts to shake down all these people that owe him money. And in light of the debt that he had been forgiven, it's a minuscule amount, almost nothing. But he's like, you owe me money, give me that money. I'm going to send Guido in, he's going to break your legs. He didn't say that, but that... Excuse me, that's what was going on. King gets wind of it, calls the guy in. It doesn't go well. He's like, man, I forgave you all that, and you doing this. He said, okay, I changed my mind. I don't forgive you. And look, I know the point of the story was forgiveness, right? It was the reciprocal nature of forgiveness. I forgive you because of Jesus' forgiveness for me. There's, in light of what Jesus forgave me, is there anything you could ever do that I couldn't forgive? That's the point of the story. But, but the other side of it is the reciprocal nature of the relationship that I respond to Christ in the same way that Christ has, has acted upon my life. And so that my life becomes not a means by which I earn God's approval through my performance, but a reaction and an expression of gratitude for what He's already done. And so serving is an expression of gratitude. Several years ago, Amy and I went to a pastor's conference in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm not exaggerating. I I think it was middle of summer. I think it was like 350 degrees in Phoenix. Have y'all been to Phoenix? Somebody needs to turn the oven off. It's hot. And it was a big conference and we couldn't find a, a, a parking place anywhere. So we're driving around Phoenix trying to find a parking place. We finally have to park on the street, metered parking. And we're like... 20 minutes walk back up to the deal. So by the time we get there, we're just covered in sweat. And I get there, you know, I put coins in the meter. Who, who carries around that many coins? I put all I've got in the meter and I go in and I'm sitting there in the conference, finally starting to kind of dry out. You kind of sit like this to kind of dry out. And I've been there for a little while and I remember I left my phone in the car. Somebody may need me back at church. I got to go get my phone. So I get up and I run out and I'm walking fast to the car. And as I'm getting toward the car, I look up and there's a homeless dude and he's sitting with his back against the wall, just sitting with his legs straight out. And as I walk by him on the way to the car, he says, hey, man, could you help me? And I said, not right now. I got to get my phone. And so I keep going. I get my phone. And as I come back by, I hand him a $5 bill. He's like, thanks, dude. I said, no problem. And I go back in. I forgot to put more money in the meter. So about two, three hours later, conference breaks up, session's over, and we're walking, and I suddenly walking toward the car, and I look up, and that same homeless dude is there, only he's standing on the meter. He's standing right beside the meter. And I notice he's got some quarters in his hand. And I'm like, oh, no, he's going to want some more money. But okay, you know, no problem. We can do that. As I walk up to him, he doesn't ask me for more money. He says to me, I wasn't going to let him give you a ticket. And I was like, thanks. I don't know what you're talking about, but thanks. And when I started to get in the car, I looked and the meter was empty. Expired. Big red expired. And what happened was that dude stood there by that meter and watched for the cops. And if he saw a cop coming, he was going to feed some quarters in it to keep me from getting a ticket. 
And I thought, that quarter to him was worth a whole lot more than that $5 from me. Who does that? But you know what he taught me? That's the reciprocal nature of the relationship. Jesus did a lot more than throw a $5 bill at us, didn't He? We serve to say thank you. We serve because of the cross. Why do I serve? What's going to motivate me to serve? Well, the cross. I mean, without the cross, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You know what that means? That means every person that commits a single sin is under the judgment of God and they're dead already. The Bible says you were dead in your transgressions and sin. It's not like I'm waiting to die. I'm already dead. I'm dead in my transgressions and sin. And there's nothing a dead person can do to bring themselves back to life. You're totally, you're hopeless, you're lost. Because the justice of God demands punishment for sin. And so Jesus did what we could never do for ourselves. He went to the cross Himself. He suffered and died a brutal death on the cross to satisfy the wrath of God. He actually became your substitute. The theological word for that is substitutionary atonement. The one who was without sin became sin on our behalf. And by doing that, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you move from death into life. The old is passed away. All things are made new. Your sins are forgiven. Your past is forgotten. Your eternity is secure. All of that happened because of the cross. And now Jesus says to me, I want you to serve. And you're like, I'm not a servant. What did he say? The Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve. And to what? Offer himself a ransom. In light of Christ doing that on the cross, what else would be my reaction? Plain and simple. The reason we serve is the cross. Christ died for you. He says, serve me. It's time to pony up. Show your gratitude. But there's another reason. I serve to honor Jesus. I serve because of gratitude, to express my gratitude. But I also serve to honor Jesus. We become like the most important people in our lives, don't we? You know, it's so fun being a granddad because I see those little guys come over. And you know the cool thing about being a grandparent is you can have them for a day, and when you're real tired and exhausted, you just send them home. Just send them home. There's a reason God gives children to young people because it's exhausting. I mean, we do one day. They do weeks and weeks and months of it, but it's exhausting. But it's so fun to be around them and to watch them because you see these mannerisms and these expressions and these actions that you saw in your own kids. So it's like watching your kids grow up all over again because what's happening is they're imitating their parents. And that's what we do. It's a way of honoring. It's What do they say? Uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And that's exactly what we're called to do. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of Christ as dear children. In the same way that a child imitates his parents' actions, we imitate Jesus. That word is mamites. It means to mimic. You mimic the nature of Christ. And so Jesus was a servant. And when I serve, I honor Him through imitation. Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves. Same attitude which was also in Christ Jesus. Who although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
held on to, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a what? A bond what? Servant. Here's the crazy thing, ironic really. We have this whole generation that's desperate for affection and notoriety. But if you were like Jesus, if you were really like Jesus, if you imitated Jesus, you would have more friends than you know what to do with. I see so many people who are so lonely and they're so isolated and almost always they're selfish. But when you empty yourself of that and you become like Jesus and you love people the way Jesus loved them and you serve people the way Jesus served them, people will love you. People loved Jesus everywhere he went. Crowds of people followed him. Why? Because they liked him. Max Lucado put me onto this. He said, Jesus was at that wedding in Cana. Remember in John? He turns the water into wine. Max Lucado says, why was he at the wedding? He says he was at the wedding because somebody invited him. Why did they invite him to a wedding? Because they liked him. Lucado said, I suppose they liked him. I think it's significant that common folk in a little town enjoyed being with Jesus. I think it's noteworthy that the Almighty didn't act high and mighty. The Holy One wasn't holier than thou. The one who knew it all wasn't a know-it-all. The one who made the stars didn't keep his head in them. The one who owns all the stuff of earth never strutted it. As a result, people liked him. You just don't get the impression that his neighbors grew sick of his haughtiness and asked, well, who do you think made you God? (laughs) His faith made him likable, not detestable. And then Lucado said, would that ours would do the same. I mean, Jesus was in the home of tax collectors and sinners of of prostitutes and, and thieves. And they wanted him to be there. Because there's something magnetic about a servant. There's something that our heart is drawn to of someone who loves and serves. They love people of Jesus' time loved him. Say, well, why don't they love him now? Well, everybody didn't love him in his day. In fact, a lot of people got so mad at him that they killed him. And there's always that group of people that are so self-oriented and nobody's going to be their Lord. So there's always that. And that's still in play. But I think there's another reason. I think people don't love Jesus because they're not getting a real picture of who He is. I think a lot of people don't love Jesus because we haven't shown him them who He really is. You see, we're supposed to look like Jesus. But when we're selfish and unloving, then they think that's what Jesus is like and they don't want Him. But when we're loving and serving, they start to see who He really is and they want what you have. I mean, I've seen it happen so many times. I see it happen in this retreat ministry going on. You know what's going on in this retreat ministry? There's a bunch of girls and dudes that are serious about imitating Jesus. And all of a sudden, those guys that didn't have a lot of friends got more friends than they know what to do with. they got to turn off group me because it's blowing up all the time on their phone. And lonely people who are isolated suddenly discover the power of serving. 
Philippians 2, verse 15, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of, of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Look at this. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. And don't mess that up with that dumb kid song. You know, this little light of mine. Remember that one? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. That's not the idea here. The literal rendering there is luminaries in the cosmos. Stars of the heaven, the brightness of a supernova. That's what he's talking about. He said, he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. You can't hide it. This is a bright light. It's not a little light of mine. He said, people don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket or a peg measure, but they put it on a lampstand so that it lights the whole house. Look, when you show Jesus to this world, they are drawn to it. They're drawn to the light that's in you. There's a magnetism there. There's a winsomeness to it. And ironically, the thing that is so longing in so many people is suddenly met when they stop trying to get it and they give up on it and they release it and they say instead, I'm going to do what Jesus called me to do and I'm going to serve. And then I serve to express my love for Jesus. I serve to express my gratitude. I serve to honor Jesus by imitating Him. But then I serve to express my love. You know, what's the great commandment? It's our highest calling. It says two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? But you know, that's not really it. Jesus changed that second one. Did you know that? But see, we get stuck on... The first reading, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus changed that. He said, a new commandment I give to you. Do you remember what the new commandment was? He said, not that you love your neighbor as yourself. He says that you love one another as I have loved you. Now wait, that takes it to a different level. He's not saying that you love your neighbor the way you love yourself. He says you love them the way I loved you, which is more than yourself. In other words, I sacrifice myself. I no longer love them the way I would love myself. I love them the way Jesus would love them. And how do you express love? By serving people. By serving you, I serve Him. There's that powerful lesson in Matthew 25, the great white throne judgment, where He says, he says the Lord's going to sit on this throne. And he's going to bring all the people before him and he's going to separate them the way a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he's going to put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And then he's going to say to the righteous, he's going to say, I was in prison and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was alone and you took me in. I was a stranger and you took me in. And the righteous are going to say, I don't remember that. Lord, I don't remember you being hungry. I don't remember visiting you in prison. I don't, I don't remember taking you in. You remember what he said? Matthew 25, verse 40. Look what he said. The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, here it is, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. When we serve them, we serve Him. That's why we serve. I serve because of the cross. I serve because Jesus paid the ultimate price for my sin and gave me life 
God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will never perish. And let me ask you this. Have you ever believed in Christ? Do you know what it is to have your sins forgiven and your past forgotten, your future secure? Do you know what it is to be clean and whole, transferred out of that darkness into the domain of His, of His beloved Son, to be adopted into the kingdom of God and into the family of God? Do you know what that is? If you don't know what that is, why don't you take care of that this morning? Simple prayer of faith. Just, God, I don't have all the words. I don't know all the right thing to say. All I know is you got me. Here I am. Take me. Whatever it is, take my sin. Please forgive it. Change my life. You can do that today. But once you do that, is there anything that He would ask of you that you wouldn't do? I express my gratitude. And then I honor Him by imitating Him. Because we become like the most important person in our life. And the more I look like Jesus, strangely, the more people want to be around me. But mostly by serving other people, I'm serving Jesus. To the extent that you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. When I serve them, I'm serving Him. So can I ask you a question? Why aren't you serving? Did you get it wrong? Did you think that it was about you? You know, we call this a worship service. It's not that kind of service. It's not here to serve you. This isn't like a performance. It's a challenge. Will you step outside of yourself and say, you know what? I do want to be different. Here's how I'm going to do it. The rest of the world thinks it's great to be served. I'm going to find greatness in, in serving. Would you do that? Whatever it takes, God, open my eyes. I'm going to make that commitment. Wouldn't that be great if we made that commitment today? Let's start with that today. Father, I commit that I'm going to purpose to demonstrate my gratitude to You by serving. I'm going to honor You by imitating Your actions. Jesus was a servant, so I'm going to serve. And every time I serve someone else, I realize I'm serving You. Father, make that the cry of our hearts right now in this place. We want to serve. Show us how. Put it on our hearts. Remind us through Your Spirit. And Father, I pray for those who didn't realize who Jesus is. Maybe they... Maybe they're just now starting to get a clear picture and Your Holy Spirit speaking this truth into their life. Today's the day of salvation for them. They need to give their hearts to Christ. And I pray in this moment, stillness of the moment, just that simple prayer, God, best I know how. I'm just giving myself to You. I don't know all the right words. I don't know all the right things. I, I don't understand it all, but... I've seen transformation in my friends and I want it in myself. And so, God, I just give myself to you. Change me forever. Father, we thank you for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in this place right now. Through the witness of your word that you are calling people to salvation and that you are calling people to service. And we lay ourselves at your feet in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.